This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Welcome back to the Premier Chels. It has been a fun-filled game so far. A bunch of games, I should say, because the World Cup has been coming at us quick and fast, guys. But Rahul, Alex, welcome back. Are you guys as excited as I am? I mean, to catch the games that you can, because it's been a bunch of different time zones and a bunch of different times during the day. But how you guys been, Alex? Doing really well, uh, especially today, recording this on the back <laughs> of a, a wonderful result for my favorite Captain America uh, and the boys in red, white, and blue. I'm I'm feeling great, and I'm in full World Cup mode, baby. I think everybody in the U.S. was like feeling this one, and I think I was talking to people that are not usually football fans or soccer fans, I should say, but everybody was tuned in for this one because the result was very, very important to move to the next round. And I think for U.S. side that's very young, we've talked a lot about them that needed to do something and show everybody that could do it. What a what a good way to go through, but. Rahul, I'll come to you. How are you doing? How are you feeling about the results today and over the last week or so? I, f- I feel good. I think you put it very well. The World Cup fever is well and truly on, and uh, it's only growing because the U.S. continue to pro- uh, progress. Ghana is doing well. Uh, Brazil, England, all the big teams are, are coming to the party. So uh, it's a fun tournament. I think we were so stuck into the Chelsea season that we yeah. could, almost couldn't see what was coming in terms of the excitement. Uh, but now that it's here, it's it's going by a little too fast. Maybe I don't let Chelsea go. I've got my Chelsea <laughs> kit on today. But but that's because I don't have any other World Cup kits. I've got to represent one way or the other. So I've got Mason Mount on the back of this jersey so I can feel a little involved. Although he didn't get much game time today. But let's talk a little bit about maybe the past results and review a few of the things that have happened. And then we'll talk about today because I see Alex is ready to spread the red, white, and blue. He's got the, the background going. But Rahul, I'll turn it over to you for a minute to start maybe with USA versus England. Yeah, absolutely. So the last time we were together, we were previewing that game, uh, a massive game between arguably two of the the better sides in this group. Uh, and we, we you know, we predicted it. You and I thought England would take it, especially after their win against uh, Iran, Iran, uh, depending on how you want to say it. Um, and Alex obviously felt that the U.S. could come out on top. And, and I have to give him credit because after watching 90 minutes of that game or, or 100 minutes, depending on how much added time we've been getting this time around, um, USA were most definitely the better side in that game. And England almost looked like they were they were carrying weights. They couldn't run as fast. USA definitely had more energy and, and honestly deserved to win that game. So uh, I got to give credit to the, the players. I got to give credit to the coach, Greg Berhalter, and um, I'd love to hear Alex's thoughts and, and how he saw it against his favorite manager of, of England and Garrett Southgate. Yeah, Alex, you need to jump in on this because I think while Rahul and I were pro-England as far as the result goes, USA were the better side. There's no easy way to say that. 90 minutes, they were the better team. They had better chances. They looked hungrier of the two teams. And I think on an organizational level, they were so well organized. England barely got a sniff in. You've got to give them 100% credit. How did you make up the game? Yeah, I thought the U.S. did exactly what they needed to do. They kept it tight. They didn't allow any easy chances for England to start it off. And then they just slowly but surely outran, um, not not outpossessed for the entirety of the match, but had spells of meaningful possession, which I think England at times were passing the ball around, controlling the ball, but not really doing anything with it. They didn't seem to have that extra gear. 
And the U.S. really was pushing for it. They were trying to take the result to England. Um, it's exactly what I'd hoped for. It's all we could have hoped for. Um, and I, I was shocked really going in with how much people were writing the U.S. off. Um, I I looked actually at the at the betting odds and it said plus 650 for the U.S. And I was I was astounded because I was like this this game, in my opinion, is is like almost even. I mean, this is this is the type of game that I could see a hungry young U.S. side completely taking the fight to England. And while unfortunately it did not pan out for my uh, my monetary involvement, <laughs> um, I I definitely thought that the game reflected that it was much more even than people thought. I mean, the the bookies thought it would be England's contest. The English fans thought it would be England's contest. Um, and a lot of U.S. fans, especially the more casual ones who haven't necessarily kept up with the team and don't necessarily realize the talent we've got a lot of them thought that england just being the soccer or football nation but you know do we even really have to call the football if they can't beat us at their own sport <laughs> i don't know i don't know you tell me but i i i was thrilled with the performance and that was one where yes it would have been fantastic to win i mean i was i was dying watching that Polisic shot hit the crossbar uh so close to Oh, I mean, it's honestly probably better for the mental health of of all of Britain that that shot didn't go in because I would have been insufferable for the next several months. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I didn't walk away thinking, oh, this sucks, terrible result. I walked away thinking, wow, we just showed that we can go toe to toe with one of the biggest footballing nations in the world and take the fight to them. And as Rahul said, uh, arguably could and should have won it on a couple occasions, but you can't complain too much. The boys were great. No, honestly, they were the better side. I think if you're a true football fan and you watch it, that's something you have to understand is they were the better side. They were maybe first to every single ball that dropped. I think they wanted it more, but well, I think this is the Alex you wanted in the last episode. He came out all guns swinging. He said, <laughs> do we even have to call it football anymore? We've got to call it soccer now, but he's got some points. I think it's, it's a fair argument. USA were good for what they brought out there. Absolutely. And and I think Alex just needed to warm up just like the uh, USA did, uh, but they're heating up and so is Alex. And, and uh, that's a good thing for us and, and for the, t the team that we'll be watching. But no, I totally agree with them. And um, for how good England were against Iran in that first game, they were, they were pretty bad in this game and, and take nothing away from the US because they were very good. Uh, but England definitely, I mean, when you take off Jude Bellingham and bring on Jordan Henderson, that, that in itself tells you a story of what they were trying to do. And towards the end, I think um, both teams settled for a draw, knowing that there was another game coming and, and they could live to fight another day. But uh, I'm definitely more excited by the U.S. than I am by England. Yes, they won again today by three goals, but four goals, something like that. But uh, you can see what the U.S. bring. England still seem to be finding their feet. And you never know against a Senegal side who have some decent players uh, that could be a potentially banana skin for them. But staying focused on the U.S., I think that was definitely a good setup to come into the game today against Iran. And 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 then we'll touch on some of the players between both games. But um, coming into that game today, I mean, all the pressure was on the U.S. Uh, when you go go to the next round, anything else, you're out. I, Iran really, really needed a point, I believe, at some point. Um, so it was fully on, on the U S but again, we saw it from, from the first half, at least energy, passion, determination, and a game plan, which was to push them back. I mean, Serginio Des, even from that goal that, that was scored, 
that's why he was in there to push them back because they were going to sit deep. Um, and so I think you got to give credit to Greg Berhalter. I know a lot of people have been a little critical of him. Alex might be a little critical too about the second half, but look, he came in at a tough time in 2018. He's taken the boys through a cycle of, of qualifying. He's gotten them out of the group stage. And that's a question I have for Alex later in the, in, in the, in the podcast is, um, what happens from here on out? How do we see it depending on how, how far the U.S. go? But again, everything today went to plan, maybe another couple of goals. And, and Alex, that's where I'd like to, to bring you in is two clean sheets, last game, this game, but only two goals scored. And, and that seems to be uh, something that the U.S. will need to do a little more going into these knockout stages. It's get the goals while keeping those clean sheets. Does it concern you a little bit that there is no recognized forward or forward that brings those goals to this team? Yeah, I mean, certainly that's known. All the, the pundits, the fans, everyone's been been identifying that number nine position as the U.S.'s main weak point in that we just don't quite have that top class center forward um, who can link up play, who can score a goal, who can make something out of nothing, who can hold up. With that being said, I did think Josh Sargent was very impressive today. He had energy. He was linking up pretty well. He had a couple decent shooting opportunities, but it was one of the best games I've seen Josh Sargent play in a U.S. kit. Um, and I don't think that necessarily means that our problem is solved. I by no means think, oh, he's our out-and-out out number nine now. That's perfect. He's our Harry Kane. No, I think we need to continue to test out different players, develop new players, look to see who we can who we can bring into that role. But it is what it is. The players we've got now are the ones we've got now, and we've got to make do with this squad. And I did think, I think Burhalter's starting tactics and lineup were very good. I thought um, having Cameron Carter-Vickers come in as a center back in place of um, Walker Zimmerman, I thought that was a good choice. He brought a little bit of extra speed and athleticism. Um, I don't know actually how old he is. Uh, maybe he's a similar age, but he he certainly had to have that extra. I don't I don't know. I'm I don't know if one of you can look that up, but he 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 had an extra step in him that I think really helped. And we saw a couple times him having to usher the ball out of play in a sensitive situation. Uh, but he looked great. Dest looked fantastic, and Sargent looked good. And I think all the players really came out flying. Um, so. I, Iran, Iran, I prefer to pronounce it eliminated. That's how I say it. Um, I think I think the U.S. came and, and got the business done, and that's all they had to do. It, You know, I have my thoughts on the second half, but they got the goal. They held on to the result. And at the end of the day, as much as I can criticize Greg Berhalter and as much as the fans love to pile on him, and he does make some questionable decisions, we brought him in to get us into the World Cup after failing to make it. And then to get us out of the group stage and he got us into the world cup, it was right down to the wire, but he got us into the world cup and he got us out of the group stage. And so we're sitting here with a team that looks exciting with a team that looks hungry with a team that looks like they've got the desire to play and go as far as they can in this tournament against a beatable Netherlands side. You know, I'm, I'm holding my tongue on the Burhalter stuff because right now all that matters is that the guys play well and he keeps putting out solid starting lines. Yeah, and, and that's an excellent point, I think, uh, especially in this kind of a tournament where you just need to get the result to move on. Performance is obviously great, but this isn't in the league season. This isn't a 38-game season where you need to perform week in, week out. 
you need to perform in on that day, take whatever it takes to get the result. And and they did that against England. They did that again today. Um, and I think your your point on on making a change in, in defense and bringing in a younger player who's 24 year old, 24 years old and and uh Cameron Carter Vickers. Again, Iran wanted to play on the counter, so that's a smart move, bringing someone who's faster and and you get the result. Uh Ultimately, that's what you wanted. You go, you go through Pulisic. Is he go, is he coming back? Is he going to be back? I know he's he's put out a post that I'll be there. Uh, nothing's going to stop me. You had a post about um, Netherlands being shocked when he comes out with. Um, I'll, I'll let you say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was joking about Pulisic coming back with some uh, prosthetic uh, <laughs> nuts after that little uh, intervention that he had. He put his. Put the family jewels on the line to get the get the U.S. across the line, and uh, you got to respect that. That's a true American hero right there. Um, and you know that's that's a sacrifice. Sometimes you've got to sacrifice your future generations for the U.S.'s <laughs> golden generation, and that's that's what Pulisic did. That's why he's Captain America. Um, that's that's what we love to see. And I that was a fantastic picture of him in the hospital bed celebrating, saying, "I'm going to be back. Don't don't you worry. I'm coming back for Saturday." Because you know he could be he could have both legs broken and he would find a way to get back out on the pitch with with just how passionate he is how driven and how hard he's worked both to get us to this point and then help get us out of the out of the uh group stages you know he's going to be just itching to bring it all on saturday absolutely uh jackie we spoke about captain america but let's talk about the captain of the team tyler adams uh, there was a point on friday i believe when the england game was against usa you texted me and said why haven't we looked at Tyler Adams to be at Chelsea? Because he has been on fire. And I know he's been pretty good for Leeds as well for the, since coming in this summer. But in this tournament, I want to say, and maybe I'm being a little biased, but I want to say he's been one of the better midfielders in terms of energy, leadership. What have you made of him? And I think you even went as far as to say shades of Angolo Conte here. That's exactly it. And I think I'm not being like biased i don't think i'm being generous i think that's a fair co comparable person to bring him up to i think he's covering a lot of ground i think he's doing the work of dare i say two people which is what we associate with ingolo kante and i think aside from the amazing performances that we're seeing him do on the pitch the interview that he had with the i don't want to say it's a disgruntled reporter but maybe it is a disgruntled reporter i don't want to get into politics but the way he handled himself with such calmness and maturity is what adds into making you a good footballer. Because look, there are a lot of footballers that can do the work on the pitch and they can put in a performance and they can score goals or in Tyler Adams case, prevent goals from going in and making an assist here or there. But it takes that extra level of class to go into a, a, to a heated environment and talk about politics and handle with such grace and just go on like nothing happened. And I think, for me, that's what's setting him apart now from some of the other midfielders in the World Cup. And look, there are a lot of fantastic midfielders in the World Cup. And to Alex's point, sometimes we've looked at the United States and said, some of us are casual fans. We don't follow them all the year round. If you don't follow them all the year round, maybe you'll start following Tyler Adams at the very least because he's putting performances out there. He's making his name known to the media. He's doing everything right. So I'm wearing that Chelsea jersey today. We're looking for midfield reinforcements. If Leeds are looking to part with somebody and he seems like a very, very solid player that's going to help wherever he goes next or if he even stays with Leeds. 
and and he's only 23 so yeah uh, there's a lot more to to come from him but it's great to see uh him weston mckenney musa and who's from ghana has has some Ghanaian heritage there uh performing in that midfield and and giving the defense and the attack a base to kind of do what what is needed uh, on both ends but alex touched on it let's talk about netherlands on saturday uh, round of 16 the us are out netherlands is not a bad draw in my opinion because they're a younger side in the sense that they also, I believe, missed out last time around at the World Cup. Uh, they also missed the Euros, if I'm not wrong. I may be wrong there. But uh, either way, they haven't been as impressive as past teams from, from the Netherlands have. And I think they're still finding their feet. They obviously finished top, which is credit to them. But uh, Alex, are you concerned going into this? Or is this another European team similar to England where the U.S. can say, you know what, with the same energy, passion, we can take them down. Yeah, I, you know, maybe it's maybe it's overconfidence. Maybe I'm just a little too hyped, but I personally do not see this as a bad draw in the slightest. I think of all the teams you could get, uh, of all the teams who who top their group, who the U.S. could end up playing, I think the Netherlands are right up there. I mean, you don't really want to face Ronaldo in Portugal. You don't want to face Brazil. You don't want to face Croatia. I mean, they've looked good certainly don't want to face Spain, France, you know, England. Yes. We, we, we match them. Obviously we can't, we can't play a team in our own group, but just going through all the, all the group winners, I'd say between Netherlands and Poland are the only two who I would, I would look at and say, like, I would almost think of this as a game we should win. I don't want to say should, but are fully capable of and would probably feel disappointed if we lost. I mean, if you lose a hard fought game to Spain, to France, to Germany, um, actually, well, in this case, not Germany, uh, but to Spain, to France, to one of those traditional European powerhouses, you know, you can say, okay, whatever the boys fought, but I think this Netherlands team is, is beatable. Uh, I mean, just looking at, at some of the matches they've played, I, they, they did beat Qatar, but that's not, that's not any huge, uh, impressive point for me. I mean, they, they drew against Ecuador, um, and they, they still have, still have France to play, but their, their lineup is just not particularly threatening in my opinion. I mean, they've, they've got some decent players, but I see this as a beatable team. And I think the U S can go out and get the result. Quite honestly, if we play with the type of energy we did against England, um, in the first half of, of this game in particular against Iran, I think the U S have the tools to get it done. Yeah, I mean, and I, I I share the same sentiment. I think having seen what I've seen in the last two games, and even after actually first 45 min minutes against Wales, um, there is enough in this squad to to get a result, keep a clean sheet, hopefully, because that sets up, uh, you know, for you to get a goal on the other end and, and grind it out. But ultimately, you want to get the result, move on to the next round. Jackie, Netherlands come into, came into this tournament, played Senegal first game, struggled, I want to say, ended up with the win 2-0. Uh, then played Ecuador 1-1, and then again against Qatar today 2-0. So they've been okay, but I feel like they haven't really faced a team or or a circumstance where they've gone a goal down and, and they've had to fight their way back in. Cody Gakpo, who's one of the up-and-coming stars of, 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 of international football, is performing, is getting the goals, but they played Qatar today. Qatar were out 2-0, they win didn't really have the intensity that the U.S. had. 
Do you see that going in the favor of the Netherlands or against them in the sense that they were able to rest players after a while? We spoke about Pulisic getting injured. The U.S. put in a lot more effort. How do you see that factoring into this game? There are a lot of things that will help or disadvantage either team, I think, at this point. But before going into that, I think one thing I, I've noticed about the U.S. is they're growing into the World Cup. And I don't just mean in confidence. I think in finding their style, right? One of the first episodes, we complained about maybe not seeing enough of Giorena. I don't think you guys mentioned his name today because the 11 on the pitch did the business. They conceded a goal. They've now gone two games without conceding a goal. So they're growing into it. So a lot of positives there. With regards to the Netherlands, I think... Rahul, you probably outlined most of the important things there. Cody Gapko seems to be, I don't want to say the star, but I'm going to use the word star because he's the one that's kind of performing at a high level, bringing in the goals. I think he scored two or three now at the World Cup, which is on par with what all the top goal scorers are doing. Virgil van Dijk, I believe this is his first World Cup and he's about 30 years old as well. So something interesting to note. It doesn't really matter if they've got to rest their players or not. I think the U.S. are are hungry enough that this is going to be an interesting challenge. I think maybe will it be a level up to what the U.S. have played against Iran? And I'm not trying to disrespect Iran, but yes, it will be a level up. But then again, you and I sat here, Rahul, and we were making fun of Alex and saying, England's got this in the bag. They're going to beat the U.S. 2-1. And the U.S. showed up and they told England, we're here to play football or soccer <laughs> and make it happen. It doesn't matter. So if I'm Netherlands, I'm looking at the U.S. and I'm not going to think that I got an easy draw. I've got the the underdog. I've got the guys that are unknown. Maybe the guys that everybody want to say they don't know what's going on, but they can put up a fa fight. They can put up a performance. So again, if I'm Netherlands, I'll pay attention. I'll start understanding what the benefits are for the U.S. Hopefully Christian Pulisic can come back because I thought he played a brilliant performance today while he could. He's coming back. There's there's no way. Uh, there's nothing that keeps him out unless it's really serious. But I think he's coming back. Alex, do you make any changes to the eleven from today, or or do you play the eleven? Of course, depending on on Pulisic. But um, we know with Gakpo being a little faster, uh, we know against Wales the U.S. did struggle when they put in uh, Kiefer Moore as as the center forward. Uh, Netherlands obviously have Luke de Jong in the squad who can play that target man role. Do you make changes in and around the defense? I think the midfield picks itself, the front two out of the three pick themselves. Um, what are your thoughts on the starting 11? You know, I liked, I liked the starting 11 from today's game. I think the defense did well. I wouldn't be changing too much. I mean, the, the wingbacks are our most talented wingbacks. And I think the center backs today did a good job, had a good balance of um, skill and experience. And I, I hadn't realized Carter Vickers was that young, actually. That's that's he's younger than I realized. And and I think ultimately you just you leave that back line. You say, look, you got a crucial clean sheet against Iran. Do it again on Saturday. Um, obviously Turner has been impressing. You're not going to change a net. The midfield three has been, has been brilliant so far. Um, and then Polisic, obviously way up, obviously he's, he's been really impressing as usual. That's the one toss up is just that striker position. I would almost say, especially, especially against maybe a team like the Netherlands, who's got Van Dyke in the back. I really don't favor Sargent against against Van Dyke. I just don't think he quite has the physicality. I don't think that's quite the right type of player. I feel like he's almost a middle ground between um say like a, a Haji Wright type more target man and then 
a Geo Reyna, maybe if you put Reyna in a sort of false nine position, he'd be a little more, yeah, false nine, tricky dribbling link up play. So I'd, I'd maybe go with Reyna there just because I don't think we're going to get too much punting the ball to Sargent with Van Dyke sweeping things up. I'd rather try to be a little tricky, get some interplay going between three very skilled front men. But at the end of the day, if the squad and Burhalter are more comfortable with an out and out striker sitting up top to even just distract and, and pull a little bit of pressure off those wingers. So be it. Uh, we can't really complain because the boys today did get the job done. So if, if you name the same lineup, you've just got to say, look, it's on them to get the result. Um, but I, I would be, I would not be displeased if he were to swap in uh, Gio Reyna or even find a way to get maybe Brendan Aronson out wide and, and Weah through the middle, because Weah has had some impressive finishes. There was one today that was offside eventually, but he's got a finish in him. We know from the first game as well. I'd be interested to see that, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah, I think Brendan Aronson is a good shot because with a back three, with wing backs, with the way the Netherlands play, I think you need the energy on the wings for the U.S. We need the energy to come back and, and kind of close spaces down and and avoid the the overload that comes through on that on with the wing backs. Uh, so I definitely think that's a good shot. I wonder if there's another formation we may see just to counteract uh, the width that the Netherlands can bring. Uh, and then I think you're right with three center backs being in, in, uh, in the Netherlands, having one attacker may kind of leave us a little bit short, but with the pace, with the ability to run in behind that stretches things. Uh, Jackie prediction time. How is this one going to go and who makes it through to the quarterfinal? It's going to be tough and it's a very hard one to predict, but I think in normal time, it's going to be a draw. I think the U.S. have shown us that they have enough to keep a clean sheet, but they've also not shown us enough in terms of firepower. And what I mean by that is I'm not seeing a two or three goal knockout punch here by any means. So maybe extra time, maybe penalties. And then at that point, it's anybody's game, but I'm giving it to the U.S. So you're 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 going to cause a lot of anxiety and, and, and stress for, for those two, three hours of, on Saturday morning. Uh, Alex, how do you see this? I, I, I kind of agree with the draw part, at least in the 90 minutes, because the Netherlands are pretty good defensively. I think they kept eight out of 10 clean sheets in qualifying. So they have the, the defensive base there, but can the U.S. get it done? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't totally disagree on the draw. I feel like we'll probably concede a goal, to be honest. Not that the Netherlands are huge in terms of firepower, but they've, they're have they a skilled team. They're going to be playing a formation that's that's a bit different from what this back line has faced. I think I, I could see us conceding. At the same time, I could also see us scoring a goal. So I feel like 1-1 in normal time is not out of the question. I'm always backing my man CP10 in those clutch moments. I think Captain America comes up and clutches it for us um, or gets the clutch assist and Wea puts the ball in the net um, for the winner. But at the same time, I think if they're, you know, I don't know. It's so, it's so tough because I'm so blatantly biased, but I feel <laughs> like if there is a winner in regular time, I could see the U.S. squeezing it by one goal just because I think the Netherlands almost have because of their their tradition maybe as a as a footballing nation and their 
they also having missed out on on the World Cup recently, I think they almost have a little more pressure going in of like, look, okay, we know this this U.S. team is is decent. Um, people have started to respect them a bit more, but come on, you can't be losing to the to the U.S. You're a traditional <laughs> European powerhouse. I mean, the Netherlands. This is a a legacy team. This is a big deal. So. I feel like they've got a little more pressure. And for that reason, the U.S. could could almost have that that fire in them, grab a goal, hang on, keep it scrappy, keep it tight. And and yeah, I mean, I can't even I can't even predict this one because I'm so nervous. One, one nil. You know what? One nil in normal time, USA um, or I should say a one goal win, maybe two one. Yeah, I, I was going to go for a two one, so. Um, I'll stick with that as well. I think the U.S. get it done, but it's going to be stressful and, and nervy. Uh, final question, Alex, before before we move on. If this uh, ends up being the last game for the U.S. at the World Cup, we hope not. Is this seen as progress? Is this seen as success for the U.S. in terms of where they were four, four and a half years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not... It, it would be disappointing, but at the same time, yeah, you, it's tough to judge too much based on this one result. And for that reason, I feel like in the same way that I wouldn't blame Berhalter if the U.S. went out to the Netherlands, because the Netherlands are a good team. It's it's one game can go anyone's way. I wouldn't be so quick to say, mm-hmm. if even if we win this game, I wouldn't say he's the one, he's, he's, he's perfect. Um, I think we just have to remain objective and and cool headed, which is a big ask for many soccer fans. But if the U.S.'s campaign ends here, I will be proud of the fight that we showed to get to the World Cup and get out of the group. Um, but for whatever reason, I don't I don't feel like it's going to end here, and I don't I don't even want to think about that. But yeah, I would. If if the journey ended here, you know what? I'm I'm taking this back. Let's get fiery. If the journey ends here, we sack Greg Berhalter. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. He gets he gets one more year to help develop these players because he is recruiting and developing this young squad quite well. And then we get Jesse Marsh um ready for the the revenge tour on home soil. And the USA brings it home in 2026. So if we go out here, Greg Berhalter is on a ticking time bomb. If we get through, <laughs> I will I will let him. I will let him live. That's the the bomb of Alex that has been dropped. Uh, no, that that's fair. I think uh, four years, four and a half years later, definitely progress. But you now need to take it to the next step. And and if it's Jesse Marsh or whoever it is, uh, we'll find out. But let's move. Quick prediction from you guys: England, Senegal. Is it coming home or is it going staying to in the African continent and and maybe going there, Jackie? Yeah, I mean Alex said it well. He said soccer is coming home. So if not now, twenty twenty six, soccer is coming home and going back to the United States. Either way, it is because they're hosting, which is exciting. But coming to England versus Senegal, I think Senegal have had a couple of up and down moments. I think they could be performing a little better, but I can't hold it against them. It is the World Cup. England have shown that they do have the firepower. Maybe the U.S. was underestimated and the U.S. needs to be respected a little more like we've discussed, but they do have the firepower. I think it really comes down to the players that Gareth Southgate is going to pick, Rahul, because today we saw with him not maybe picking Raheem Sterling, maybe not picking Jack Grealish, uh, bringing the likes of Foden and um, the other gentleman from Man United. I forget his name all of a sudden. Rashford. They really have a good amount of firepower off the bench, and so... 
I'm going to go for a 2-0 to England this time around. All right. Going against the African teams, I see. Uh, Alex, we, how are we feeling about this one in, in Southgate this time around? You know, I think I think logic says England have the quality to get it done. I could see, I mean, they haven't looked convincing. I've seen a lot of England fans. Yes, they had that nice, heavy scoreline win against Iran to start things off, but I've seen a lot of English fans and, and pundits and influencers saying that the U.S. played the most attractive and convincing football of the group stage, um, at least in, in that group. And I think I could see a shock, a shock win for Senegal if they can keep it tight. I think if Senegal can keep England out in the first half, if they can get through the first half without conceding, I'm seeing a 1-0 Senegal win to shock the Brits and put Southgate's head on a platter. If if Greg Berhalter is on a ticking time bomb, if Southgate loses this game, he's definitely he's definitely gone. But um, I, I I do think England may end up having too much in terms of off the bench. Uh, if Mane was around, it may have been a different story. But Senegal are definitely a good side and will make it tough. Uh, and we'll be supporting our boys Koulibaly and Mendy, and hopefully they can send our other boys Mason Mount, Raheem Sterling, and, and Gallagher. Uh, home so they can rest up for for the season either way it's going to be a fun game uh, but we're going to stick in the african continent alex i know it's getting a little bit later so you're you're free to stay on or if you want to jump off i know you got school uh and and work and stuff to do so uh but we're going to talk about ghana jackie we spoke about portugal that game didn't go our way but from what i saw that day i was convinced that against south korea we would get the result done we made it tough but let's start with Portugal against Cristiano Ronaldo, against Bruno Fernandes, Joao Felix, all the big names in European football. Ghana lose by one goal and could have actually tied it right at the end. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't really get a chance to vent our frustrations and vent our feelings about that particular game. But I thought up until the dodgy penalty, I'll call that, or the Let's give one to Cristiano penalty is what I'll call that. I thought Ghana were performing brilliantly. I thought they held P- Portugal away. And I thought if that penalty doesn't come, maybe my prediction's right. Maybe this ends a nail-nail or a 1-1. But that penalty kind of spurred Ghana on to come back and do something and inadvertently spurred Portugal to come back and do something as well. And so long story short, it made the game exciting, but it showed us what we we knew about Ghana is that they can be an explosive side. And one thing was very important for me is when Ayu scores that goal, you can see in his body language, in his eyes, the passion and the lack of fear. At that moment in time, they weren't playing Portugal and one of the world's best players and Cristiano Ronaldo and his friends, which are Bruno and everybody else. They were like, we're here to make a statement. It doesn't matter if we're going home. And if we go home, we're going to go home all guns blazing because that's what they did to get the result 3-2 and lose. It didn't feel... Like a loss, it felt like a robbery. And I think I said that it was a little bit of a robbery, but it felt like Ghana came to perform and they put on a hell of a performance in that game. Yeah, they definitely did. I mean, we've seen Ghana, right? And in I think 2006 was the first time they made it after a long time. And from then on, they've kind of progressively done well up until 2014, which was, I think, uh, the end of a cycle, you could say, with with the players. This seems like a new start. And I know IU is a little bit older. Uh, he's been around the block for a while but you can see his influence on the team you can see that he has the 
the knack for getting a goal. And that was a massive goal to get. I, unfortunately, we couldn't defend and, and keep our composure. But once we gave away that penalty, or once that penalty was awarded, however you want to put it, I think Ghana said, you know what? We have to go for it. We, let's forget the respect, like you were saying. Let's just go for it. They went for it. 3-2 was the final score. Could have been 3-3, like I said. Um, but we came back against South Korea on Monday. And um, Alex, I'll bring you in here. I mean, I, I don't think you follow Ghana as much as we do, but I, I was talking to your dad, and I think you may share the same sentiment. Ghana have been exciting. I mean, we've scored five goals. We've conceded five goals. Um, so you know there's goals in the team. You know there's excitement within in terms of we're going to concede, but we're going to go ahead and score. What have you made of, of it? It's, I want to say as an outsider, but not really because you've heard us talk about them. Uh, but what have you made of, of Ghana so far at the World Cup? Yeah, I, I watched the end of that game against Portugal. I think if I'm if I'm not mistaken, that was the one where the a player scored to make it 3-2 and then hit the Ronaldo celebration instead, Bukhari, of, instead yeah. of grabbing the ball to, <laughs> to restart the game and try to equalize. He hit the Ronaldo celebration in like the 87th minute, which was just interesting, entertaining though. I'm, You know what? I'm all for that passion and fun in the game. When you um, get the chance, you got to do it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, how many times in your life are you going to score against Cristiano Ronaldo on the same pitch? So I, I completely agree with you. I think they're exciting to watch. They're fun to watch. I, I think often we see this with African sides where they're underrated by the traditional European powerhouses who say, oh, no, we're the ones who always bring home the World Cups. We've got the the biggest star names, um, especially when when uh, some of these nations, I mean, we we're talking about Senegal are missing the likes of Mane, et cetera. But these teams can play. The players can play. They, if they have that belief and they don't play with fear, they can come out and make things really exciting. And I really enjoyed watching the end of that game. My my heart was in my mouth when the the player almost stole it and then, well, did steal it and then slipped uh, and then almost had the equalizer against Portugal. I was I was dying uh, for that to go in, but it's been exciting. And I think I think they have what it takes when they show up on a good day it's a lot like the u.s and i think they're obviously slightly different situations different players but an underrated side who can surprise people when they show up but uh maybe not quite exactly i mean the, the u.s have have scoring issues but have been relatively defensively tight um ghana on the other hand maybe need to lock things down a bit more at the back so yeah, I'm just I'm excited to watch. As you said, I I am definitely a bit of an outsider. I don't have huge familiarity, but as a neutral, they are a fantastic team to watch and enjoy. And, and they've always been kind of that team that, unless they're facing the U.S., um, a team that people tend to kind of want to follow and support and and get behind. Uh, and like I was saying, they've done pretty well at the World Cup uh, until they met Uruguay in 2010. Um, but Jackie, against South Korea, it was a game where the pressure was on. We lost the first game. We came into this game. South Korea, I think, were coming off of a draw against Uruguay. So they they had a little bit of momentum in terms of if we get a win here, we build upon that. But early in that first half, I mean, same energy. I think, you know, Ghana said, you know what? We paid a lot of respect to Portugal. We can't do that here. Let's go for it. Let's attack them. Got the two goals in the first half. Uh, and all of a sudden at halftime, I was driving to work and I'm getting messages from from a bunch of people. I'm like, what is going on? Um, and I'm almost like, do I even want to watch the second half? Because 
I have that that mentality where I'm like, if my team's doing well and I'm not watching, maybe that's the reason. <laughs> uh, anyway, lo and behold, I tuned in. It's two two, and I was like, this this it's me. It's got to be me. Um, to show character to come back from from two two and and score the third goal and then hold on. Thanks to Anthony Taylor towards the end. Uh, you won't hear me saying that too much, but. What did you make of this game and, and the character that they showed uh, to go two up, come back from, from being 2-2? Two, two? In most cases, I'll tell you, I'm disappointed that we've conceded two goals after having such a wonderful start. But I think before the World Cup started, we had all these discussions. And I think without wanting to say this, I did say that I think this is the group of death. And, and, and what I mean that is all of these teams have a lot of quality have a lot of firepower, have a lot of energy. You look at Portugal, and yes, Ronaldo is 37, but even he was running in that Ghana game. He was running against Uruguay. You look at Ghana, and their strikers and their midfielders are moving all day. We know the energy that South Korea brings. And then Uruguay, I just look at Valverde, and I see how much he wants to run the entire game, and we know what he brings to the table. So teams that are fully energized, fully excited, teams that are filled with quality, disappointed that we conceded but look at the end of the day it's what i said against portugal they never gave up and in this case they said look we conceded two we scored two let's go get a third one and continue to perform the way we can now i think for the next game and if they make it out of the group it's a matter of maybe doing the basics right let's not concede because like against portugal rahul if they keep that concentration just a little bit longer you don't get that second or even that third goal and obviously the guys up front are doing the job. And in this case, Salisu, you know, chips in with a goal. But the guys up front are doing the job. Keep the clean sheets and you can go a little bit further in the World Cup. It, it's interesting. We're talking about uh, the U.S. and keeping clean sheets, but not scoring here. We're scoring and not keeping the clean yep. sheets. Um, Alex, Mohamed Kudus, who's, who's a player that plays for Ajax, uh, has a famous quote out there that he said, and maybe he's been inspired by some of the things you've been saying uh, he said about Neymar, we have the same talent. He's just more recognized or something along that sort. For a player to come out and say that and then kind of back it up at the World Cup at a stage where he provided the assist in the first game, two goals in the second game. Uh, definitely a few clubs around Europe looking at him and saying, you know what? January window is around the corner. Let's let's and Ajax obviously rubbing their hands saying, here we go. Another player uh, that could go for big money. What do you make of a player that has kind of, that kind of a, a mentality that I have the talent, I just need the 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 platform to show it? I think that's a total winner's mentality, and obviously there's there's a fine line between between confidence and arrogance that sometimes certain players cross. But I think when you're when you're not just saying that, when you're actually backing it up, and you then you get your chance, you seize your chance, you show everyone. I mean, you're you're putting your country on your back, you're scoring crucial goals. I I love that. I love to see players who have passion, who have desire. And it's, it's a nice reminder that these players are not robots. They're, they, I mean, these are, these are emotional, exciting, fun, developing players to watch. And they're, they have their own sort of ambitions, dreams, et cetera. And it's, I think it's a good reminder of why we love the game, new talents, every world cup, every international tournament, new talents are discovered because people are forced to watch players who they wouldn't normally see playing for their club or within their own league. And I think, yeah, as you said, he's a fantastic example of someone who has shown on the big stage now absolutely is going to have some people inquiring after him. Um, some large clubs, probably a, a nice lucrative contract for him um, and a nice payday for Ajax. I think 
that's that's the magic of the World Cup in in one sense. On the one hand, you have the fun footballing results aspect of it, and then on the other hand, you have these fun stories, uh, these underdog stories, or these stories of people who have built up and and really impressed and shown when they had their moment. So you love to see it. I love that. Yeah, definitely. And and I think Jackie and I covered it. Some of these guys within the Ghana squad play domestically in Ghana. So this is an opportunity, and and I know we're talking about Kudus who plays in Europe, but an opportunity for some of the other guys to come on and make an impression and and get a move where, like you you were saying, Alex, financially it's better for them. Uh, Jackie, Uruguay on Friday, uh, final group game. We sit second. We could uh, seal qualification. Uh, It's a rematch of the 2010, I believe, quarterfinal where we were – minutes seconds away from from beating them and and Luis Suarez does what he does how much of that is going to be playing on the players mind because I know it's on our mind that I've seen fans on social media saying we're coming for Suarez um how much of that is playing on the players mind and can we even get caught up in that kind of euphoria if we're going to get revenge because we just need to get a result here to get through to the next round you know, I think honestly, that's more on the fan side of the house than the player side of the house. I look at the Ghana squad and it's immensely different to the team that was unfortunately cheated by Luis Suarez there. Now, Luis Suarez is still in the Uruguay squad. He was on the bench <laughs> for the game today. But, you know, I, I don't think that's going to affect Ghana's performances and mentality. I think we've highlighted their weaknesses. We've highlighted their strengths as far as them goal scoring. One thing I will say is watching Uruguay today is... They're a fantastic team. I think the scoreline doesn't tell how close they were, how much trouble they gave Portugal, how much opportunities they had created to try and sneak in. I think, I forget the player's name, Bentacor. He plays for Tottenham. He hit the post two or three times in this game against Portugal, and that just shows you the energy and determination they have, as do most of these teams at the World Cup, because... At this stage, yes, it's the group stage. At this point, it's knockout football. Ghana need to win to go through. Uruguay need to win to go through. Of course, it depends on a couple of results here or there. But from the player's perspective, it's history. It's done. It's irritating, but it's not going to bother them when it comes to doing the performance on the pitch. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we got to stay focused. Let not, let's not get our emotions get better of us because we've put ourselves in a position where a draw and maybe some help from Portugal is enough. Uh, but if we can control our own destiny, that's even better. Uh, so what's your prediction? And then I'll go to Alex. And there's one final thing I have before we wrap it up. Looking at these teams and how they play, it's it's tough. But I'm going to give it a 2-1 to Ghana for this game. I think they can do it in normal time. They have something to prove. We want them to go through. So 2-1 to Ghana. All right. I'm going to go for a 2-2. We just tend to to like to concede, but also score, uh, which would should be enough. Hopefully, Portugal beats South Korea and, and we can seal the second place and end up facing Brazil, but that's a different story. Alex, do you see Ghana doing it or do you see Uruguay coming to the party because they haven't won a game yet. They haven't been the Uruguay with the players like Jackie's mentioning that we've expected. Yeah, I think I I could see a draw to be honest. I think I do think it's beneficial to Ghana, even though they should come out and probably play for it because I mean, just like Iran today, when you when you go out and you're already trying to defend from the start, it's just very difficult to last 90 minutes um, and you want to just take it into your own hands. So I think I think Ghana will come out and play. I'm seeing a draw, maybe one one. 
um, which again, I think should be enough um, given a favorable Portugal result. So uh, fingers crossed. I, I hope they get their revenge because that's a, that's a fun storyline. And I think, I think the, the content and the discourse after the game would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, if, if Ghana were able to uh, hold uh, Uruguay back and, and repay the favor. Fingers crossed, my friend. Fingers crossed. All right, final thing I have for you guys. Jackie, three teams that you've seen so far that you've been impressed with in this World Cup. Yeah, like I said, I think Uruguay was one of them, not because of the results, unfortunately, but the performances they've put up so far have been incredible. I think one of the ones that I have to talk about is France. I think they've been, dare I say, perfect, maybe. I think they've been untouchable. I think they've played some fantastic football, so... That's been absolutely brilliant. And and the last one to me, I think, maybe is is Spain, guys. I thought that a young squad, maybe they didn't do so well. Rahul, I know you have some some issues with their star man, their number nine up there, not doing the business. But he's doing the business for them whenever called upon, and he's the only natural number nine they have. That's Morata. They have something to prove as well. They used to be the World Cup and European Giants for maybe eight, ten years when they won World Cups and European Cups. But... They kind of tapered off since then. So those are the three I would look at. All right. Alex, you got three that you've been impressed by. USA, I think, takes one of those spots. Yeah, I think the U.S. have have come out and defied people's expectations, and I'm looking forward to seeing how we do on Saturday. Um, I I will agree with you on, on Spain, Jackie. I think Spain have impressed, and that's one I didn't necessarily see coming. I mean, they're, they're at a bit of a transition period. Um, not in the same way as the U.S. because the U.S. never really had a powerhouse strong core that then had to get replaced. Spain did have a a really, really strong team for a number of years, uh, winning World Cups, uh, just consistently showing up, dominating on the international stage. And then as those players have aged, there's always the question of, well, will the next generation live up to it? And I've been impressed with how their young guys have stepped up um, and really shown that they can carry the torch thus far. Um, and then for a third one, it's a bit of a toss-up, I'd say. Croatia and Morocco, both in the same group, have both impressed me. I think uh, Ziyech and his fellow Moroccans have put on a good show and have have shown that they are uh, worthy of their position in second right now. Um, so, so fingers crossed. I I hope the group stays like that, and both Croatia and Morocco go through because Belgium are really showing that their their golden generation is has lost its luster, and they are they are on the outs. Canada, I think, has has disappointed. That's one of the ones that's disappointed me, um, just not getting the business done. Qatar, you've got to say for all the <laughs> hype, and they were they were hyping up. We've we've spent eight years preparing for this to host this tournament. That we brought in uh what their coach is Spanish, I think. Um, yeah, they've got they've got Felix Sanchez, their Spanish coach. They've got players who aren't really Qatari, who they've recruited, <laughs> trying to hype up the squad and then go out uh, winless. I think that's that's a pretty easy disappointment. Um, and then I think maybe to round that out. Germany haven't really shown anything impressive, but I will say they were a little unlucky against Spain when they had that Rudiger goal called out. I think that could have changed the the course of it. So at the end of the day, we got to remember these are fine margins and three group stage games is all you get to, to prove yourself here in the World Cup. So even if a team goes out, even if the likes of a Germany goes out, 
I don't know. It's you, you can't, you can't harp on them too much, but they should be doing better than that. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you guys. I, I think Spain for me, Jackie knows how I feel about Morata. Uh, obviously because of his time at Chelsea and, and everything that went down. But I think Spain have been impressive. Uh, I'd love to understand what Luis Enrique is saying on Twitch because it seems to be a lot of good content. Uh, so if anyone out there has it translated, let me know because I'd love to love to watch. Uh, the other one for me is Ghana. I think maybe biased, but I have been impressed by them. And Morocco, I think Alex pointed out, um, they haven't conceded a goal so far, along with Poland and I believe... Um, another team, I forget who they are. Uh, Brazil, of course, they are three teams who haven't conceded so far. So, Morocco are doing the business, and hopefully, like Alex said, I think they they go through. Uh, and since Alex gave disappointments, I, I'm also disappointed by Germany, uh, Belgium, and Mexico. I think Mexico came in, uh, you know, with a lot of promise. They can still make it, but nothing so far that I've seen that shows they have have the potential. But uh, Jackie, since we've given our disappointments, do you have three that you want to highlight or are you in agreement with us? Yeah, I was shaking my head vigorously at the three you mentioned there because Germany, not so much on the results, but I think the performances, we expect more from them as far as firepower goes. Belgium, utterly disappointed to see how they're performing. It's a little sweet to see Lukaku suffering a little bit, so that's okay <laughs> over there. Uh, and then, yeah, Mexico was a, is a bit of a shock for me because here in Houston and Texas, we have a big Mexican population. So our friends are all Mexican. And so when they're saying they're not performing so well, you know that they had some expectations and it's not going to plan as well. Absolutely. But that's as Alex put, put it earlier, that's the magic of the World Cup. Uh, teams that you don't expect to do well are doing well. And, and hopefully for African football, uh, for us here, uh, some of these guys do make it through because it would be good to see them uh, coming out of the group. Uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. Uh, we will be doing updates on Instagram and our Twitter, uh, as long as Twitter is still around on the App Store. But that's a different story. Uh, we will be back with a new episode this weekend. So until then, stay safe. And it's coming home, wherever it may, that may be. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.